2: This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of sexual violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener Caution is advised. Ilford is a town in East London with almost 200,000 residents. Both a commercial and residential area. Ilford has lively streets and peaceful parks. Despite crowds of people leaving the pubs and bars in the town centre, it was quiet on Cranbrook Road in the early hours of June 26, 2022. The weather was still warm at 2.30am, and unusually a married local couple decided it was a good time to go for a scenic stroll past the Mansion and Gardens in Valentine's Park. They walked down Cranbrook Road until the pair reached the junction opposite Cranbrook Rise. That's where they saw something that didn't seem right amongst the large white houses that line the street. The couple noticed someone lying awkwardly on a grey brick driveway. The woman was covered in blood and struggling to breathe. He's single-minded, he was going to go for a woman that night. I didn't care where it was. Cranbrook Road is a busy road. It's residential. You have houses down there. You have CCTV down there. But this didn't put him off.
1: We're constantly stuck in a loop of disbelief, constantly stuck in a loop of images in our mind about what happened to her, the horror that she faced, um, the pain she must have endured. We live in a horror film.
2: Welcome to Season 8, Episode 38 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. The walkers rushed over to the woman gasping for air. It appeared as though she had been badly beaten. As the emergency services were contacted... Another couple who also happened to be passing by saw the commotion in the driveway on the well-lit residential road. While someone spoke to the operator on the phone, the group began ringing doorbells in an attempt to get more help. One woman, Maria Bergum, realised that in the commotion, the injured woman had stopped breathing. Maria wasted no time in performing CPR. Paramedics arrived at the scene around 2.45am and took over. For over an hour they attempted to maintain a steady pulse, but the victim had lost consciousness and could not breathe on her own. Due to the nature of her injuries, first responders believed the woman had been attacked and detectives from the Metropolitan Police were dispatched to Cranbrook Road. Medics were unable to stabilise the victim. In turn, she was rushed to Royal London Hospital. Despite the best efforts of trauma surgeons, the woman was pronounced dead just before 10am. In the meantime, a large police cordon was set up across the junction between Cranbrook Road and Beehive Lane. Investigators led by Detective Chief Inspector Dave Wellhams canvassed properties nearby to collect any useful footage captured by home security cameras. Forensic technicians scoured the area for any clue as to the woman's identity. A pair of leggings were found tangled in a tree close to the scene, and beneath a bush they discovered a purse. Items inside bore the name Zara Alina, a 35-year-old local woman who lived near Cranbrook Road. An hour after Zara was pronounced dead, investigators went to her grandmother's home with a still from CCTV footage to confirm her identity. A post-mortem was conducted at Poplar Public Mortuary by Dr. Matthew Seeker later that day. Upon examination, he noted a total of 46 injuries to Zara's body and concluded that she had also been sexually assaulted. The cause of death was listed as traumatic brain injury, neck compression and blood loss. It had been a violent end but Zara had fought to stay alive. It was believed that she had been stamped on repeatedly and then strangled to death. Chief Superintendent Stuart Bell stated, there is no evidence at this time that weapons were used during the attack. We are keeping Zara's family up to date with our progress and my heartfelt condolences are with them at this terrible time.
0: Hey, it makes me feel... Feel sad for that person, um,
2: but it also makes me feel worried. I really feel shocked. We wasn't expecting that in this area, so I didn't know how bad this area has become. I mean, it's not, not. We don't normally have this in this area. There's a lot of police presence at the moment, but in general, the, the, the muggings, the local shopliftings, they're, they're, they're on the up. But this, this is uh, a brutal uh, killing, and it's so shocking. to Zara Natasha Alina was born in London in late 1986. As a single parent, her 22-year-old mother was supported by Zara's grandmother Rashta Parvin and her aunts and uncles. Rashta and her husband had moved to London from Pakistan almost 20 years earlier, and Zara was their first grandchild. Zara's aunt Farah Naz recalled... We didn't have much growing up, but we always valued education. And we just thought, Zara is going to have it all. And so she had it all. Museums, galleries, travel. She was the family darling.
1: She was this, the first extrovert in our family. We're all quite introverted. And she was the first to know everyone in any neighborhood that she lived, even at three. You went out with her and she was on a little tricycle on the roads and you'd be walking with her and everybody would say, Hello Zara, hello Zara. And it was just so surprising that all these people knew Zara. And She's lived in four houses um, in her life and every single place that she's lived in, everybody knew her. Everybody loved
2: her. Zara said that Zara was a daughter to all of them, and they shared their love of travel with her, bringing Zara across Europe to broaden her world view. She was an accomplished ballet and tap dancer and enjoyed swimming and ice skating, but it was her sense of justice that stood out. From the age of five, Zara said that she wanted to be a solicitor when she grew up, and at 35 she was making that dream a reality. She had completed a legal practice course at the University of Westminster and graduated with honours. Her Aunt Farah told a correspondent with the BBC, She's also a loyal friend and community person, so she would give herself to people, and that interrupted some of her studies, which is why she didn't get it done as fast as she would have liked. Having volunteered with her community and with refugees, Zara started working as an administrator at the Royal Courts of Justice in May 2022 to begin her two years of placement before she could practice law. Zara's best friend Lisa, who she had met in her teens while studying sociology and psychology at Westminster Kingsway College, recalled Zara being a bubbly, sweet and caring person. Lisa told The Standard. Everyone loved her. She was like my twin sister. She had this unique voice, so cute and sounded so young. She was very friendly and talkative. She loved animals, especially cats. She wanted to be a good lawyer and get justice for people. Now someone has to make sure she gets justice. Outside of work, Zara split her time between her grandmother's home and her mother's. Zara was a carer for both. Most of the neighbours knew her as she often walked the short distance between the houses multiple times a day. Zara's loved ones highlighted that she was aware of the dangers women faced while walking alone, but Zara felt safe in her community. Her family said, She walked everywhere. She put her party shoes in a bag and donned her trainers. She walked. Zara believed that a woman should be able to walk home. Speaking to My London, a family friend and co founder of the London Black Women's Project Angela Mooch, described Zara and how the loss had affected her. She knew everyone in the community, from the ninety two year old woman to the two year old toddler. She had a great community around her and she was an absolute joy to be around. An absolute joy. She was full of energy, kind and brought so much joy to our lives. This knock on our door has broken all of us. Lisa and Zara had spoken about recent murders of women like Sarah Everard and Sabina Nessa. Lisa could not comprehend how something like this could happen to Zara. Lisa said, I don't know what's wrong with people that someone can kill her like that. It needs to stop now. There can't be another Zara, no. We were upset for Sarah Everard and these other women, but we genuinely never thought it would happen to us ever. We thought we were careful or we would spot someone coming or sense it. I've done all my crying to the point where I'm just angry now. When we were young, we would always walk from Ilford to Hill and back again. She was familiar with it. She is the sort of person who likes to walk. You should be able to walk on your own. On the night she was killed... Zara Lina and her friend Bermini Batty had enjoyed a meal and a few drinks. They spent some time at the Great Spoon on Cranbrook Road before making their way to Champs Sports Bar on Chapel Road just after midnight. Zara sipped water for the rest of the night, and at 2am she and Bermini walked outside. A taxi Bermini had ordered was waiting for her, and the pair said their goodbyes. It was warm, and Zara began walking towards Gantz Hill Station in the direction of home. A few minutes passed. Bamini was dropped safely at home. She called Zara to ensure she was okay too, but there was no answer. At 2.18am Bamini noticed a missed call from Zara and returned the call, though Zara didn't pick up. Two minutes later, Bamini sent a text message to Zara to ask if she got home okay. By this point, doorbell camera footage collected from around the scene proved that Zara had been attacked. The footage showed a white male aged between 25 and 35 wearing a grey vest top, denim jeans and white trainers approaching Zara from behind. He flings his arms around her head and neck and is seen dragging Zara into a driveway. A bloody fingerprint was found on a balustrade at the scene, but because it was recovered from cement, this made identification challenging. It was photographed and enhanced. The images were sent to experts to run through the National Database. Zara had tried to defend herself as male DNA was found beneath her fingernails, but the CCTV footage showed that she was overpowered in less than a minute. Moments later, the attacker repeatedly stamped on Zara, using the balustrade to steady himself. He then snatched her loose belongings and threw them under bushes and into neighboring gardens. He returned to stamp on her again. After the savage and unrelenting attack, the assailant fled. People living on the street noticed the man, but they couldn't see Zara behind the wall. One resident recalled, We saw a man stumbling on the other side of the road to us. We thought he was drunk. He was walking back and forward, and from what we could see, he was alone. At one stage he walked into the drive and we thought he was going to urinate because he was drunk. Then my husband said he kept looking at something over the wall. He ran out but the man had gone. We had no idea there was a woman on the other side of that wall. If we had of course we would have called the police earlier. Another local who told a reporter for the standard that the attack happened outside his home. Said, my wife heard a man shouting. Then a little later there were police and flashing lights everywhere. We thought it was some drunk. Now I feel guilty I could have helped. If only I had gone out. We had no idea that something so horrible has happened outside our home. In the age of extensive surveillance equipment monitoring public spaces... Especially in London, investigators were able to use nearby CCTV footage to track the attacker back into Ilford Town Centre in the hours before the attack. Between 11pm and 2am, the man was seen stumbling along Cranbrook Road. He was following unidentified women. Shortly before midnight he begins walking close behind a young woman who is speaking on the phone. She notices him and is seen looking over her shoulder as he gets closer. They are both heading in the direction of Forest Gate. As they get onto to Romford Road, the woman quickly deviates from her planned route, walking into a late-night supermarket called Cappadocia Food Centre. Within seconds... The man follows her inside the store but leaves a moment later, and can be seen on the shop’s CCTV hiding just out of view. When the young woman leaves the shop she stands in a well-lit area until she believes she is safe. When she makes her way down Gloucester Road, the man reappears and begins tailing her again. It is obvious from the footage that the woman is terrified and begins running as fast as she can to get away from the man in the grey vest. He is later seen entering Sammy's chicken and pizza takeaway on Romford Road. Cameras in the takeaway capture him sitting in a booth with his hands inside his trousers while he stares at a woman who is ordering food. Outside of the takeaway... He is seen talking to another woman and attempts to put his arms around her and between her legs. When she unsurprisingly spurns his advances, he continues trying to follow women who are walking alone. Getting more desperate, he passes one woman and hides in a driveway expecting her to come past. Luckily, she enters a house across the street so the man walks back to the corner of Cranbrook and Northbrook Road. Zara Alina was not so fortunate that night. She was seen in the same area just after 2am. Footage pictures her walking in the direction of Gan Station, utterly unaware that the man in the grey vest is following her. He stalks her for a few hundred yards before attacking her. Stills from the footage were shared with Metropolitan Police officers to see if they recognised the man seen following lone women and attacking Zara. The fingerprint identified at the scene was of poor quality, so a match could not be found on the national database. However, once several potential suspects were identified, the print could be compared to those on file. Within a day, there was a match. 29 year old Jordan McSweeney. Growing up in Dagenham, East London, Jordan McSweeney had been in trouble with the police from a young age. And he was 12 years old in 2005. He was reprimanded for common assault. The following year, he was convicted of non-dwelling burglary and became involved with youth offending services. Three years later, in 2009, he attacked a 14-year-old boy and his 12-year-old sister. The two victims both sustained facial injuries. That same year, he began his first sentence for vehicle theft and non-dwelling burglary. A girl he dated in his teens told My London that McSweeney had been violent throughout their relationship and had beaten her and stamped on her head before. Her mother said, I used to be so scared this would happen to my daughter. I told her at the time I couldn't sleep as I was afraid I'd get a knock on the door to tell me she was in a morgue. McSweeney's girlfriend had been too afraid to face him in court so no charges were filed. In 2010, he was convicted of a violent offence for the first time, having committed assault and battery on a woman. After serving detention and training orders, McSweeney received an adult custodial sentence for burglary, possession of cannabis, theft, and breaching a suspended sentence order in 2012. Two years later, he was ordered to serve three years in prison for burglaries and vehicle thefts. He was 21 years old at the time, and already was racking up a varied criminal history. While serving his sentence in Swaleside Prison on the Isle of Sheppey in Kent, he took part in a riot by starting a fire in his cell. A prison officer was stabbed in the head by another inmate during the riot, but luckily recovered. McSweeney's behaviour behind bars worsened during three periods in custody between 2015 and 2018. He spat at and threatened prison officers, telling them that he would stab them or cut their heads off. In 2020, McSweeney was charged with offences committed while in HMP Belmarsh or HMP ISIS, which included carrying an offensive weapon criminal damage and racially aggravated public order offences. A year later, while awaiting court proceedings, McSweeney assaulted a female friend of his mother's. He was ultimately found not guilty of grievous bodily harm in August 2021, but a restraining order was imposed against him to protect the victim. In April 2022, he received a 16-month sentence for the offences committed in custody, but as he had spent six months on remand, he was scheduled for release on June 17, 2022. After his release on licence, McSweeney was ordered to attend meetings and to inform the probation service of his address. When he failed to comply with the conditions of his release... A recall order was issued on June 22nd, 2022, but when officers tried to arrest him one day before Zara Alina's murder, they couldn't find him. The police were now desperate to locate Jordan McSweeney as they believed he had been responsible for murdering Zara Alina. Without releasing the name of the prime suspect, Detective Chief Inspector Mark Rogers appealed for more footage to try and find out where McSweeney had gone after the attack. Zara's belongings had been strewn along the road in the direction of Valentine's Park. Using CCTV from along Cranbrook Road, investigators watched the man seen attacking Zara climb over the fence into Valentine's Park, and walked towards a fun fair that had been operating for several months. On the morning of June 27th, one day after Zara had been pronounced dead, officers met with the owner of the fairground and asked him if he recognised the man captured on the recordings. The owner identified the person in the video as Jordan McSweeney and told the officers that McSweeney was staying in a caravan which he shared with another man. As detectives prepared to raid the caravan and arrest McSweeney, they collected more video recordings from the fairground. One video pictured McSweeney walking towards a neighbouring caravan carrying a black JD sports bag, which he then hid. The bag was quickly recovered and taken to a forensic lab for analysis. At 3.45pm, Metropolitan police officers burst through the doors of the caravan at the fairground site, finding McSweeney asleep on a single bed. He wakes up to several officers standing over him as he is ordered to his feet. Rubbing his eyes as he stands up, McSweeney is told that he is being arrested on suspicion of rape and murder. Sorry,
1: McSweeney. It. Jordan. Right. Jordan. Jordan.
3: Jordan, Jordan McSweeney.
0: You've got cuffs on, yeah. Can
1: you stand up <coughs> for us, mate?
0: Just tell him. Just tell him.
1: You're under arrest for rape and murder of a female at Cranbrook Road. Okay. On the 26th of June, 2022, in the early hours of the morning. You do not have to say anything, but it may harm your defence if you do not mention when questioned. Something you later relying on in court. Anything you do say may be given in evidence. Do you understand? Right, stand up
2: for a second, mate. Stand up. All right? OK? Okay. i got. Yeah. point. search, you know, all right? Yeah. Jordan McSweeney's wrists were cuffed and he was led out of the caravan, placed into a police car and taken to Leighton custody suite for questioning. Forensic officers then took over the scene and began swabbing different areas to test for the presence of blood. Dark stains, later proven to be Zara Alina's blood, were found on the bed that McSweeney had been sleeping on. Inside the JD sports bag McSweeney had hidden was the clothing he was seen wearing during the attack on Zara. His white trainers and denim jeans were heavily stained with blood. This was also confirmed to belong to the victim. As McSweeney was being booked in, he told an officer that he was on medication for ADHD and what he said was a split personality disorder. He also claimed to have been bitten by a dog, so he was taken to Whips Cross Hospital for treatment but once there he refused to be seen by the medical staff. Upon his return to the custody suite, he became aggressive and told an officer that just because he was in handcuffs didn't mean he wasn't a threat. ''I'll bite your face off, cuz. It's not a joke,'' he said. Throughout three police interviews over the following 24 hours, McSweeney did not speak, not even to confirm his name, age or address. As the interviewing officers questioned him, he kept his eyes shut tightly before putting his head down on his arms which were crossed on top of the table. The questioning persisted and the investigators confronted McSweeney with the enormous amount of evidence linking him to Zara's murder, but he just yawned loudly and said that they were boring him. McSweeney offered no reply when he was charged with murder. The following day, a statement was released by Zara's family that offered a glimpse into the life of a promising young woman. Zara was the 16th woman to die by violence in London in 2022, and her family hoped that her senseless murder would be a catalyst for change. They said, Sadly Zara is not the only one who has had her life taken at the hands of a stranger. We all know women should be safe on our streets. She was in the heart of her community, ten minutes from home. We all need to be talking about what happened to our Zara. We all need to be talking about this tragedy. These last few days have been shocking and unimaginable. In a savage, sickening act, she was murdered by a stranger. She's not the only woman who has lost her life like this. In the moment of this tragedy, we extend our deepest sympathies and love to the families of Bieber Henry, Nicole Smallman, Sarah Everard, Sabina Nessa, Ashling Murphy, and many more women. We must prevent and stop violence against women and girls. Our loss is irreparable and the void feels insurmountable. But the warmth and kindness that our community has shown is a testament to the power of Zara's spirit. And life has been stolen from us. She has been stolen from us all. Jordan McSweeney was brought to Thames Magistrate Court on June 29th, accused of murder, attempted rape and theft. He was remanded back into custody until July 1st, when he appeared at the Old Bailey via video link from his cell at HMP Thamesite. Before the live feed from the prison was initiated, a prison officer told the court that McSweeney was becoming agitated while waiting for the proceedings to commence. Crown Prosecutor Oliver Glasgow Casey told the court, The defendant has been charged in connection with the violent death of Zara Alina, who was attacked in the early hours of Sunday, June 26th. Emergency services were called after her body was discovered in a driveway in Cranbrook Road. She was bleeding, struggling to breathe, having clearly sustained serious head injuries, and she was also partially naked. Glasgow said that the medical evidence showed that Zara had no chance of surviving her injuries after being repeatedly stamped on. The defendant put his head in his hands as the prosecutor spoke. After McSweeney was remanded back into custody, Zara's aunt, Farrah Naz, who had been in attendance, spoke with the press. I don't think there is going to be closure. This is just the beginning of the conversation we need to have. I want to reach out and do something important and act because that's what Zara was about. We've got to change something. I want to speak to the leaders of this country. I want to talk about the setting up of projects right now to prevent violence. Zara was not a woman who was unaware that there were dangers in the world. She did not imagine what happened to those women would happen to her. She didn't know she was going to be on this list because in her mind, she took those precautions. This is about a young woman who lost everything, and about a society who lost someone who was giving, someone who was good. She spent the last few minutes of her life looking at something so horrible torments us. She was not ignorant of the fact that women get hurt. This isn't about making the streets safe, it's about changing the mindset. A vigil had been organised the following day, July 2nd, exactly one week after Zara had been killed. Members of Reclaim These Streets, a group that campaigns for women's safety, helped to organise the memorial walk. Hundreds of people gathered on Cranbrook Road opposite Cranbrook Rise at around 1.30pm that Saturday afternoon. The majority of those in attendance wore white, with some carrying flowers. Members of Zara's family wore t-shirts bearing her photograph and name. Members of anti-violence campaign groups addressed the crowd including family friend Jim Mooch.
1: Where is the conversation to stop this from happening? Where is the prevention? Rest in power, Zara, rest in power. We're going to walk you home, my love. We're going to walk you home. We don't want this to happen again, no more. So thank you, and I thank you from the family for our... (coughs)
2: At 2.17pm, the crowd set off along Cranbrook Road, which had been closed to allow them to make the ten-minute journey that Zara never got to complete. When they reached her final destination, floral tributes were laid on the ground, and her family were left to mourn in peace. In the wake of the vigil... Sadiq Khan, Mayor of London, spoke of what an incredible woman Zara was and how she was an inspiration. He said, She rightly believed that every woman should be able to walk home safely, and today her loved ones and so many from the local community and across the country came to finish the journey she started. My thoughts and prayers are with them all today. I'm clear that women should not have to change their behaviour and every woman and girl is entitled to be safe and to feel safe, whatever the time of day and wherever they are. We owe it to Zara to do everything possible to bring an end to violence against women and girls. While in Custody Jordan McSweeney had refused to attend plea hearings or leave his cell to attend psychiatric assessments. His preliminary hearings had been delayed as he had contracted COVID in prison, but he was eventually brought to the Old Bailey on November 18, 2022. During the short hearing, McSweeney kept his gaze fixed on the floor of the dock. After he entered a guilty plea to sexual assault and murder, he was remanded back into custody to await sentencing.
0: Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. to find out if it's right for you.
2: This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Santair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Santair comes in. Scent Air diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Scent Air app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Scent Air's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families in EcoVadis certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try Luxury Home Fragrance Trusted by the Pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at Centair.com. The sentencing hearing began at the Old Bailey on the morning of December 14th, 2022. Outside the court, Dozens of protesters and campaigners from various organisations seeking to end male violence against women and girls stood in solemn silence, holding placards printed with Zara Alina's photo and name. Zara's family were seated in the gallery in Court Number 2 when McSweeney's counsel, George Carter Stevenson, K.C., Announced that McSweeney was refusing to attend as he did not want to relive what had happened when the CCTV footage of the attack was played. The barrister told Mrs. Justice Chima Grubb, he simply wants to be sentenced and expressed a wish to be returned to Belmarsh. The judge urged counsel for the defense to convince his client to come up from the cells, but McSweeney would not be persuaded so the proceedings continued in his absence. Prosecutor Oliver Glasgow K.C. told the court that Jordan McSweeney had been drinking heavily on the night of June 25th, 2022. He and a friend Kevin McKenna were in the Great Spoon in Ilford from 8pm that night. At around 11pm, McSweeney was kicked out of the pub when he would not stop harassing a member of staff. Kevin McKenna had told the police that the pair had had a heavy night. Describing what happened, the prosecutor said, It is evident from the available CCTV footage that Jordan McSweeney was interested in pursuing any possible romantic liaison that he could irrespective of whether or not the recipient of his attention was similarly inclined. He had made persistent advances towards one of the female bar staff and made her feel extremely uncomfortable. Despite her making it clear that she was not interested, he kept returning to the bar and kept pestering her. Oliver Glasgow Casey then recounted McSweeney's actions in the hours that followed. Beginning with him following a woman until she ran to safety. Glasgow remarked It is beyond dispute that that young woman had a very lucky escape since, had she been caught by Jordan McSweeney, she would have been attacked and killed. The court then heard about McSweeney masturbating in Sammy's Chicken and Pizza Takeaway before he followed another woman along Cranbrook Road. He walked quickly up behind her and while she was seemingly oblivious to his presence, two men on the other side of the road stopped and watched him, the prosecutor said. His behaviour is clearly alarming. He is, after all, walking only a metre or two behind this woman. But the pair of them turn out of sight and into Northbrook Road and the two men walk off. The woman entered a house and McSweeney turned back towards the junction of Northbrook and Cranbrook Road, where he spotted Zara Alina. CCTV footage showing McSweeney following Zara as she walked on the opposite side of the road was played to the court. After a few moments, he came up behind her and put one arm over her mouth to stop her from screaming while looping his other arm around her neck so he could drag her into a driveway. Oliver Glasgow KC said, She did all she could to fight him off, but she had no idea he was behind her, and she must have been terrified as the bigger and stronger Jordan McSweeney dragged her into the darkness and out of sight from any potential rescuer. The following 30 seconds of movement are indistinct before a short struggle ensues. Jordan McSweeney appears to be trying to pull Zara Alina up off the ground. Zara Alina is pulling back, fighting against Jordan McSweeney's grasp. The discovery of his DNA under her fingernails suggests that she did all she could to fight him off. However, the struggle was short and Jordan McSweeney soon regained control of the situation. The two ended up back on the ground, and whilst it is impossible to see what happened, he must have rendered her unconscious since from that moment on she can offer no resistance. Despite being only yards from a public street and from residential properties, the defendant attacked Zara Alina with a savagery that is almost impossible to believe. He repeatedly kicked and stamped on her head and body. He tore some of her clothes from her body in order that he could sexually assault her, and then he attacked her again, kicking and stamping on her face and neck, and returning several times to continue the brutal violence. McSweeney could then be seen leaning over Zara's motionless body and picking things up from the ground. He then stamped on her a final time with such force that he shattered bones in her face. The court was told, finally once satisfied that she would no longer be able to report him for what he had done, he walked away, taking her mobile telephone with him which he threw over a garden wall, thus ensuring that neither she nor anyone else who might find her could use the phone to call for help. Her keys and underwear were found discarded on the ground a few doors down the street. Her purse was found thrown into a bush further along the street. Her leggings were found hanging over a tree branch a little further on, and her mobile telephone was found in the driveway of one of the houses by a resident the next morning. Despite his efforts to hide the clothing he had been wearing when he killed Zara, McSweeney was caught on camera concealing the bag containing his blood-stained jeans and trainers. The first person to provide a victim personal statement was Farinaz Zara's maternal aunt, who had travelled from her home in Portugal after receiving the call about Zara's murder. Farah told the court that her entire family had been destroyed in the minutes it took McSweeney to kill her niece. Speaking about Zara, Farah said, She lost the future she worked so hard for. She lost her dreams to have a family and children, the right to grow old. She lost the chance to enjoy her fruits of her hard work. We lost her and more. When a human is murdered, a family is murdered. We still struggle to believe this is all true. Our brains are still processing the senseless. Lights have gone out in our family home. My sister has lost her only child, a supporter and her carer. Zara said that Zara's mother could not bring herself to attend the hearing. Her sister's health had deteriorated and in her profound grief her inability to look after herself meant that her diabetes had worsened. Farah remarked, Her mental and emotional health is compromised, and as a family we are not sure how we can ever console a mother who has buried her daughter in such horrific circumstances. She cannot talk about the murder and cannot bear to be here today. She has become a prisoner at home a prisoner of her thoughts and emotions, fearful of the world that failed her. She frequently expresses that she wishes she were dead so she can be with Zara. According to Farah, her mother, who had also been supported by Zara, had lost her reason to smile. Zara and her grandmother were incredibly close and saw each other almost every day. Zara's younger cousins were also affected by her death They were afraid of the world and wary of strangers Zara compared their collective grief to pushing a rock the size of a planet every day or living through a horror movie She also vowed to campaign in Zara's name to end violence against women Rashta Parveen, Zara's grandmother, was then helped into the witness box to deliver her own statement. With her daughter Farah by her side, Rashta said, Zara loved giving gifts. Zara would collect gifts in advance with friends and family in mind. Even today, I'm still handing out the gifts she had kept. Through tears, Rashta said that Zara's voice still rang in her ears and she would have to bottle her emotions in front of Zara's mother. My pain is for my daughter, who lives and sleeps with photographs of Zara. My pain is for my granddaughter, who suffered so much and lost everything. I lose myself in prayer for most of the day and night to find peace. I cannot help but curse the person responsible for Zara's murder. My pain just flows out. There is an Urdu song in my heart that I hear all the time. Thief of my peace. May you never find peace. May God never give you peace. While speaking about the aggravating factors in the case... Oliver Glasgow Casey said the 29-year-old defendant had 28 convictions for 69 offences, ranging from racially motivated harassment to assault causing bodily harm. Jordan McSweeney had been released from prison on licence on June 17, 2022, and a warrant for his arrest was issued on June 24 when he failed to comply with the conditions of his release. However, he had not been staying with his mother as he told the authorities he would be, so he was free to kill Zara as she walked home. The prosecution also listed premeditation, the suffering inflicted, and the location where the crime was committed as aggravating factors of the case. In mitigation, McSweeney's counsel said his client had been raised by a drug addict, whom he had described as a spiteful, vindictive and horribly poisonous person. Referring to the defendant's parents, George Carter Stevenson K.C. said, she had little or no time for him when he was growing up. His first memory of his father is when he attempted to drown his mother in the bath. According to his counsel, McSweeney had claimed that domestic violence was the norm in his home growing up, and his mother had many partners when they lived in Kent. He also alleged that he had been sexually abused before being moved into care at the age of 15. McSweeney was expelled from four schools and regularly ran away when he was in care. He began bare-knuckle fighting in his early teens and had a reputation that the Defence Council said prevented him from maintaining positive relationships. Regarding McSweeney's ADHD substance abuse history and personality disorder, Carter Stevenson stated, these are not put forward as any kind of excuse. These are simply part of what he has to live with and cope with. George Carter Stevenson Casey claimed that although McSweeney had no real memory of the events... After being kicked out of the pub on the night of the murder due to the alcohol and drugs he had consumed, the defendant had always intended on pleading guilty and seemed remorseful during a tearful phone call with his mother after he was arrested. There is very little, if anything, which could be said on his behalf which could explain his actions on that night, the barrister said. He has accepted his responsibility for it. That takes a degree of courage. The court also heard that McSweeney had told the Belmarsh prison officer that he could not understand what he had done. Concluding the mitigating remarks, counsel for the defence maintained that the murder was not planned. It was something out of anger, panic. It was not premeditated, He was not roaming the streets to sexually assault and kill. Before passing the sentence, Mrs. Justice Chima Grubb asked if McSweeney would come up to the courtroom. He again refused, prompting the judge to later remark. The defendant's decision not to come up from the cells to court to hear the devastating impact of his crime." shows that the man who took Zara Alina's life has no spine whatsoever. During the televised sentencing, the judge called McSweeney a danger to women and said that nothing in his background would excuse what he had done.
3: He began his criminal career as a teenager, which may be a sign of the dysfunctional family experience he had endured. Nothing he was deprived of, in terms of familial love, boundaries, safety or security, could begin to justify his actions and attitudes as an independent adult with the ability to reason and opportunities to reform available to him.
2: The judge said that Zara Alina's values and character were the complete opposite of McSweeney's.
3: Zara believed in justice, she had a strong moral compass, she filled her life with big ideas, big plans and a zest for existence. She was confident and active, working and volunteering to use her talents to the full. She was well loved, her mother's only child, and her death has broken that woman. Zara's absence is being felt constantly by the entire family, the extended family. The light has gone out from their lives, they have told the court. They will campaign for a better world in her name. For the life she lost, having done nothing wrong, they want to make the world safer for others
2: after describing McSweeney's actions before he crossed paths with Zara and the attack he inflicted. The judge dismissed the defence's suggestion that the crime was committed out of rage or panic.
3: He kicked and stamped on her, his movements indicating that these were repeated, heavy assaults. He was not carried away, he had not been overtaken by an uncontrollable urge, It's clear that he was wholly aware of what he was doing. This is indisputably correct, because when he realized that someone was coming past the house on the pavement, he bent out of sight before resuming what he was doing. After satisfying his lust, he proceeded to destroy the woman he had just degraded. With sickening deliberation, he stamped on her. Then he left the driveway. But after walking a few meters, he returned and repeatedly stamped down on her body again, using the balustrade for balance. He searched her body again and left for a second time carrying things of hers. Still not finished, having walked away this time further, he again returned to Miss Alina and bent down by her body before stamping on her again. This abduction, sexual assault and murder lasted just nine minutes.
2: Mrs Justice Chima Grubb found no mitigating factors in the case apart from McSweeney's guilty plea. He was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum term of 38 years for murder and a concurrent four years for sexual assault. Speaking after the sentencing, lead investigator, Detective Chief Inspector Dave Wellems described the murder as a ferocious and repetitive attack that shocked even experienced detectives. He attacked Zara out in the open on a residential street, And other than a clumsy effort to hide a bag containing his belongings, he did not try to cover his tracks. Jordan McSweeney can only really be described as a, a sexual predator, a loner, and a man with single determination to stalk a woman or women. We know that night that Zara was at least the fifth woman that he pursued, that
3: he followed. We uh, found the other four women, but there could have been
1: more.
2: Zahra's aunt Farah also spoke with the media outside the Old Bailey.
1: We have some retribution, but no peace. There are questions to be answered still, and there are lessons to be learned, and changes to be made. Zara's life was senselessly and brutally crushed. And today, like every other day, we live with the horror she was forced to face. Zara was the light, the warmth, the birdsong, the laughter in our family. We live with a profound loss each day. And each day we are destroyed a little more.
2: So where are we now? Zara Alina's family said that her death had made campaigners out of them all. And they would not stop until changes had been made. After it was revealed that Jordan McSweeney had killed Zara while out on licence, there were calls for an inquiry about why he was free to kill. An independent serious further offence review of Jordan McSweeney's circumstances was published in January 2023. Serious further offence reviews are conducted when someone who is under the supervision of the probation service commits an offence. The author of the report, Chief Inspector of Probation Justin Russell, found that the probation service failed to take quick action to recall McSweeney to prison when he did not comply with his release conditions. Several factors contributed to the failure, including the fact that McSweeney was managed as a medium-risk offender when he should have been listed as high-risk due to his violent history and residivist behavior. If he had been a high-risk offender, there would have been more urgency to find him when he was ordered to be recalled to prison, and McSweeney would not have been free to murder Zara Alina. The following month, there were calls to compel those convicted of serious crimes to attend their sentencing hearings. Sarah's Aunt Farah spoke with BBC Breakfast about the impact statement she and her mother had made. The family wanted McSweeney to realise the impact of his actions. He's completely destroyed us as a family and we have years and years of finding a way through accepting what's happened. Then-Justice Secretary and Deputy Prime Minister Dominic Raab met with Farah Naz and said that the Department of Justice would be looking into changing legislation to prevent killers from opting not to attend hearings. He said, This was a despicable crime, and we apologise unreservedly to Zara Alina's family for the unacceptable failings in this case. Defendants who hide from justice can prolong the suffering of victims. That is why we are looking carefully at changing the law to compel offenders to attend their sentencing, making sure they face up to their actions and victims can see justice being served. In March of that year, members of Zara's family joined the Million Women Rise Annual March to end male violence. Sarah told the Press Association, Zara's loss is society's loss. Sara has brought me, my sister, and my friends here, but we are here for all women, all girls, to make a change and to make some meaning out of the tragedy that has happened to us. We are in trauma, but at the same time, we are really heartened by the support in society of all sectors and leaders. We are hopeful that things can change for other women and girls. Two months later, it was reported that a female prison officer at HMP Belmarsh was suspended after being caught in an intimate relationship with Jordan McSweeney. The unnamed woman was bailed pending an investigation. On the first anniversary of Zara's murder, hundreds gathered once again to finish her journey home. The mayor of London walked alongside Zara's family and his wife and daughters. Supporters heard from Sadiq Khan and Zara's loved ones.
3: We have in our country an epidemic of violence against women and girls. And my gender, my sex, is responsible for that violence against women and girls. If we know somebody acting inappropriately, we've got to call them out and have a word. It's not good enough. Maybe banter to you, but it's not how it's received by women and uh, girls. Zara
1: never reached home that night. Her life was stolen. Stolen from her in the most brutal way. Zara Alina, intelligent, dedicated, radiant young woman, was stolen from her family and her community. Let's spread the word. Let's disrupt violence against women and girls. Let's together interrupt it. Let's together confront it. Let's not look the other way. And let's get other people not to look the other way.
2: More calls to force offenders to attend sentencing hearings came when Lucy Ledby. A nurse found guilty of murdering seven babies and the attempted murder of six more was given a whole life order but refused to stand in the dock to receive it. Speaking with My London about live streaming sentencing remarks into an offender's cell, Farinaz commented: If the families want to see her face while she hears the sentencing while she's in the cell, why not? Why not do something like that? Barra went on to say that it is important to the victim's healing process to be able to address the person responsible for their trauma through impact statements.
1: It's important for us to be able to look at him and, and to face this man that destroyed our lives. We need for him to see our pain. We needed for him to hear our victim impact statements which are pointless, absolutely pointless, if the person that perpetrates, that kills your loved one, doesn't hear the impact. Who's that for? It's supposed to be for him. So it makes a mockery of the justice system that he's not standing there. That was the moment for him to feel some humanity, and there's a human in there somewhere.
2: Jordan McSweeney filed an appeal against his sentence, claiming that the term of 43 years before credit for his guilty plea was unjustified. McSweeney's barrister, George Carter Stevenson, K.C., argued that the judge had erred when she said there had been significant planning and that Zara had been subjected to mental and physical suffering. It was claimed that Zara had been rendered unconscious during the early stages of the attack, so her suffering was minimised. On November 3rd, 2023, the Court of Appeal agreed that the 38-year sentence was excessive and substituted it with a minimum term of 33 years. One week later, it was announced that legislative changes would mean harsher sentences for murderers and new powers to compel convicted killers to attend their sentencing hearings. A jury inquest is scheduled to be held in 2024 to see if the police could have done more to recall Jordan McSweeney to prison before he murdered Zara Alina. Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our patrons for their support. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, they walk among us Planning for your
0: next trip?